give God a shout of praise. Come on, church. Are you excited to be at Overcome Church this morning? Anybody excited to be in the house of the Lord? I don't know if you know this or not, but his mercy is just so much more. The weight of my sin and the crimson stain that it causes is nothing compared to the washing power of the blood of Jesus on the cross of Calvary for your sin and mine as well. Wow. Anybody ready to celebrate Jesus again this morning? Come on, church. He's worthy of it. Wow. Hey, I want you to take three seconds. Just invite somebody with a hug and, and some high five, handshake, a hug, something. Just let them know you're glad to see them here. And uh, wow, what an opportunity this is this morning. eyes to see and ears to hear. Speak to us, Lord, this morning. We ask, God, with, it, with expectation in our hearts, we seek you, Lord, today. I pray, Father, give me utterance to speak boldly from your word as I ought to. And Lord, anoint this time for your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wow, let me tell you, church, you've been looking forward to this one, y'all. Anybody enjoyed the series we've been in? We kind of took a break last week because it was Easter, but we're back and we're going to finish it up this week. It's been a long one, y'all. It's literally, we're on part seven this morning, and I'm telling you, I've told you a couple times, I've never preached a sermon series this long ever, and so welcome to the first, and it's good. It's been great. I love the study. Um, I love... I've loved looking into what I believe is Jesus' expectation for the church. We talked a lot about not missing out or not missing the main thing in the first week. We talked about don't miss it. Don't miss love. Don't, don't miss out on what's really the priority or the, um, the reason for not only Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, but for our existence as the body of Christ today, which is to love God and to love people. And we know that coincides with what we believe here at Overcome Church anyway. But then along the lines, we've talked about hope. We've talked about God's grace and mercy. We've talked about purpose. We've talked about new perspectives. We've talked about walking out 
uh, the Word of God in our life. We've talked about our devotion to the Lord. We've talked about, ooh, we've talked about a whole, uh, whole range of things. But this morning, church, I've been looking forward to this one, y'all. I am especially excited to preach this message today. And so if you're with me, Revelation chapter 3, starting in verse 14, this is the last of the seven letters that Jesus uh, prompts um, John to reach or, or write to these churches. This is the letter to the church in Laodicea. Help me read this. Revelation chapter 3, starting in verse 14. The Bible says this, Write to the angel of the church in Laodicea. Thus says the amen. Y'all ain't ready. The faithful and true witness, the originator of God's creation. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. It's a little graphic. For you say, I'm rich. I have become wealthy. I need nothing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and pitiful and poor and blind and and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you may be rich and white clothes so that you may be dressed and your shameful nakedness not be exposed and ointment to spread on your eyes so that you may be or so that you may see the bible says as i as many as i love i rebuke maybe you don't understand that today but that's good. As many as I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be zealous and repent. See, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. So the one who conquers, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I have also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. Let anyone who has ears to hear listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. And so remember that last phrase there, that last sentence is um, cause for my thought that this is not only um, not only what the the Lord wants this church of Laodicea to know in that day, but it's specifically applicable for us today here at Overcome Church. I believe 100% that what Jesus meant for them at that time means the same for us today in this time and that we can take much application from this section of scripture today and there is so much I could literally I could probably preach a series just from this section of scripture but bear with me today church listen I am excited for this and I know there was a lot in there that would say wow how in the world could you be excited about that but church just bear with me today I want to preach part seven of this sermon series dear church I'm not finished turn to your neighbor and tell them I'm not finished Oh, y'all ain't trying to help me preach with all the coffee breath you just spit in the other one's face. Tell the other one, I'm not finished. Dear church, I'm not finished. Now, this isn't a part of the message, what I'm fixing 
to share with you, but it's worth noting because, boy, it's good. I'm telling you, as I was studying this, I had no choice but to read verse 14. And if you would, read it with me one more time. The Bible says, write to the angel of the church in Laodicea. Thus says the amen. I told y'all, y'all wasn't ready for this. When I read, thus says the amen, I thought, hold on a second. Amen's not just something that we say at the end of a prayer. No. Amen is, tep- or, amen is typically used uh, in most contexts as a uh, conclusional declaration. We literally most times just conclude um, our prayer with amen. And in the Greek, Amen means so be it. And so as a conclusive declaration to what is said before, we just say we proclaim so be it and that is habit for us. But in this context today, it is more than just a conclusive declaration. It is used as a declaration of character describing Jesus our Lord. And so amen in the Greek translated in this verse does not just mean so be it. It means a firm trustworthy, so be it. That's the literal translation in the Greek concordance. You can read it. It says a firm, trustworthy, so be it. In church today, I want to tell you, when the Bible says, thus says the amen, it's saying this is what the firm, trustworthy, so be it says. In other words, Christ and his word is not only the solid rock on which I stand, which is firm, but my God is not shaken. He is trustworthy, and what he says is final. So be it. And so more than any conclusive declaration to round up the ending of a prayer or a statement, Jesus is a uh, firm, trustworthy, so be it. What he says goes What he says is final. My God is the beginning and the end. He is the amen. Church, thus says the amen. Wow, that is good. That is good, church. You say, Austin, I don't understand why that is so good. Well, maybe I can just uh, testify for half a second. I'm thankful today, church, that what he says goes. My past doesn't define me, he does. The opinion of people don't define me, he does. No accusations from the enemy can define me, only he can. Church, a bad doctor's visit is not final, he is. God is not shaken, church. He is not moved. Your sin does not intimidate God. The ground will not fall out from underneath our God's feet just because of your mistakes. And when everyone else has left you high and dry, he is the only thing that stands firm and unshaken, that never changes on you. He stays. He's the God who stays. Man, that is some good news today, church. Thus says the amen. Somebody take 15 seconds just to give God some praise. He is the amen. He's the one that is about to speak right now in this section of scripture. And he says, uh, the Bible says, thus says the amen. That's who is about to speak right now. How intently will you listen today? How intently will you listen to what he's going to say today? Now we can get to the message. The Bible says uh, in verse 15 and 16, I know your works, that you are neither hot nor cold, or cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. 
So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. Church, if you're writing anything down, write this down, my first point. Dear church, I wish you knew. I wish you knew. I wish you knew what you were doing. See, there's two parts to this verse I just shared with you here. Or a couple of verses, verse 15 and 16. It says, I know, I'll read it again. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm or in the middle and neither hot nor cold, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth or spit you out of my mouth. There's two parts to this here. Part number one that I want you to know today, church, is that a life that declares I'm a Christian but is fleshed out otherwise is disgusting to the Lord. It's reality. I know it seems harsh, but it's reality today, church. A life that declares, I follow Jesus, but is fleshed out otherwise, the Bible says, is disgusting to the Lord. It's hard truth. It's okay. It's hard truth. Second part, look at the following verse in, in verse 17. The Bible says, for you say I'm rich. I've become wealthy and need nothing. And you don't realize that you're wretched, that you're pitiful, poor, and blind, and you're naked. Church, people satisfied in their security blanket of wealth most times don't realize that they're naked and poor spiritually before the Lord. Now, I'm not going to get on a tangent that we could get on because it's not necessary. But what I'm saying is this is the context uh, uh, to which Jesus is speaking to these people like, hey, I noticed something. You're lukewarm. You say one thing, but you do another, and you're comfortable because you're wealthy right now. And you've been made rich, and you're, you're, you're secure in your blanket of wealth, and you don't realize, though, <coughs> excuse me, you don't realize, though, that you are actually naked and poor spiritually. And Jesus is saying, I wish you knew the gravity of what you were doing with your life. Church, it feels good to be on the mountaintop. It feels good to have plenty and be comfortable. But more times than not, it's on the mountaintop that we begin to become complacent. And we begin to disregard the fact that God is the one who brought us to the mountaintop in the first place. We begin to disregard the fact that he is the one, the sustainer, the life giver, the one that literally provides this route to the mountaintop. And while we are on the mountaintop, let's not become complacent in such a way that we forget that he is worthy to be praised. He is the one who has caused this. He is the one who has given us what we have and what we are able to hold on for only a, a temporary time. Anybody know that this life is temporary? This is just a short moment that we get it's like a vapor the bible says it's here and then poof it's gone we don't have all this time and so blessings that we get to hold on the mountaintop we should not disregard the lord and what he has provided for us it's all because of him every good gift comes from the lord amen and jesus is talking to a bunch of people that are secure in their comfort they're secure in their blanket of wealth they're secure in their full food pantries and Nice shoes and warm clothes and comfortable beds. And they think, man, they don't need anything. When in all reality, they are wretched and poor. Naked before the Lord. Spiritually deprived. If 
feels good to be on the mountaintop sometimes. In that good feeling, we forget who brought us there. We become complacent. I've said it one time, and I'll say it a million more times. Complacency is a Christian's cancer. You become complacent, and it creeps stronger and stronger and stronger each and every moment until it kills you spiritually. I think that's what Jesus is talking about. My second point here, look at verse 18. The Bible says, I advise you to buy from me gold. Weird terminology here from Jesus. I advise you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you may be rich, white clothes so that you may be dressed and your shameful nakedness not be exposed, and ointment to spread on your eyes so that you may see. Uh, church, if you're writing anything down, my second point is this. Dear church, invest. I'm not talking about in Bitcoin or any other thing that the world's got going on today. Church, invest. Invest in your relationship with the Lord. There's three things that I'm working on right now, and I've shared it with Sandra. I kind of put it on social media a little bit. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, Three things that I'm working on right now, and I make it a point to try and have to remember these things. I don't write it down or anything. That way I'm more intentional about it. But I want to be self-controlled, because 1 Peter talks about being self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayer. I want to be self-controlled to guard against sin and guard against laziness. Like I want this to help me spiritually and practically and just in life. Lord, help me to be more self-controlled to guard against sin and laziness. Help me to be more intentional. Um, And I'm trying to remember the point that I wrote there on that. Help me to be more intentional so that I stay on task. That was it. So I stay on task with what the Lord has purposed me. Y'all get a first-hand look at me trying to work on myself here. (laughs) And number three, be devoted. Or stay on the path that God has put me on. Too many times, like especially us with ADD or whatever you want to call it, we can give it any excuse you want to. I don't care. I'm just scatterbrained most time. Jimmy knows. Jimmy helps me out. Jimmy and Jeremiah, they both, y'all, <laughs> they help me out big time with my scatterbrainedness. That happened just this past week. We won't go into it. Um, you know what I'm talking about. I want to be devoted because so often, like, God will give me direction, and in my zeal, or in my my passion, and maybe you can relate, I'll begin to wonder on all these different tangents, and it's unproductive, it's improductive, however you would say that. It's, It's not productive. It's not productive to wander on a million different tangents. And so, Lord, help me to stay self controlled, to guard against sin, and to not be lazy, help me to be, um, um, uh, um, um, hold on, intentional, y'all wasn't supposed to help me, help me to be intentional so that I can stay on task, and Lord, help me to stay devoted on the path that you've given me, right, and those three things hopefully will help me spiritually and practically in my life, and that's part of investing in your relationship with the Lord, Action steps, not just saying, Lord, I give my life to you. I don't know why the Lord's not doing anything with me. This is what we do, church. Invest. 
Invest in your relationship with the Lord. Normally means action. Means pursuing God. He pursues us and we pursue him. Invest. Dear church, invest. Look back at that verse there. Revelation chapter 3 verse 18. The Bible said, I advise you. This is Jesus, the amen. I advise you, buy from me gold refined in the fire. Like he's using this lingo, this terminology that's weird, but we'll get to it here in a second. Buy from me gold refined in the fire. What is he talking about there? He's not talking about treasure that can be formed with hands. He's talking about a different kind of treasure. Buy from me this gold refined in the fire so that you may be rich. Any rich people in here? White clothes so that you may be dressed and your shameful nakedness not be exposed. Praise God for those white clothes. An ointment to spread on your eyes so that you may see. Notice the terminology that Jesus uses here as he begins to use the lingo that would best communicate to the audience that he's speaking to. The ones that are comfortable in their wealth. How many of you know that Jesus will pursue you and meet you exactly where you are? And that he is fully capable of connecting with you no matter what kind of person you are. That is so good. The same God that can be a daddy to a fatherless boy is the same God that could give you investment advice. Amen. Church, notice this terminology. Write this down. Jesus will reach out to meet you right where you are and use whichever means necessary to communicate to you. Remember, church, God is not shaken. He's not moved. And your sin does not intimidate God. Notice, why is Jesus even having a conversation with these people? If they're not hot, they're not cold, but they're lukewarm, if he wasn't still interested in you, he wouldn't be confronting you. He's not shaken. He's not moved. He's not intimidated by your sin. The ground will not fall out from under him because of your mistakes. Church, as I was studying this, um, I started to notice that this isn't totally a, just a judgment on the character of these people. This isn't just the typical... Uh, these kind of people are hot for me. These kind of people are cold for me. And then you got the lukewarm people that I want to spit out of my mouth. Like This isn't just solely a character judgment from the Lord. This is Jesus literally meeting people right where they are in the middle of your junk and confronting you in your state. All for one purpose. To make a way for change in effort to restore you back to himself. Because he loves you. Isn't that extraordinary? I believe he's doing that today. I believe that is uh, what God is doing in this room today and even online. Uh, I believe God is speaking to some in here that he is trying to restore back to himself because of his love for you. Maybe you've been lukewarm of a Christian, the one that is not tasteful to the Lord. Um, he still loves you. Dear church, I'm not finished. My third point, 
Write this down. I'm not finished with you yet. Revelation chapter 3, verse 19 and 20 says this. As many as I love, I rebuke and discipline. Church, we don't understand that all the time. Sometimes the Lord will rebuke and discipline us sometimes. And we say, why is the Lord this way? Or why is my life looking this way now? Or why am I going through this? Or why, why am I experiencing this moment in life? And we question with the, uh, with the thought process that we are, um, you know, we're like, like we're just junk or, or that God's just uh, beating on us or, or tearing our life apart. Or, or we'll even give the enemy credit and we'll say, oh, he's the enemy this, the enemy that, the enemy this, the enemy that. And we'll just give Satan all the credit in the world when in all reality it may sometimes be rebuke from the Lord and that is not always a bad thing. It's extraordinary The fact that even yet while you are disgusting in your sin to the Lord, if you are a Christian who is, or if you are someone who declares uh, following Jesus, but your life says something else, and we've come to the realization that that is, per the Bible, per Jesus, disgusting to the Lord, the extraordinary fact that the Lord is still trying to connect, connect with you. The Lord is still trying to conversate with you. The Lord is still trying to pursue you. And that's the point, for I'm not finished with you yet. The extraordinary thing about Jesus is this. He will seek you out, meet you right where you are, but he don't want to leave you there. He will confront you in your state of sin, and he'll also provide a way for life change, all because he loves you and he really does care. You believe that today? That's good. That's good, church. With this message, typically people stop the character assessment, which is the reference to being either cold or hot or lukewarm. People stop there. They'll preach on that, and that's about the extent of which it goes. But as I was reading this, you know, I've preached that before, and everybody kind of, you know, I can't say everybody, but most people know, uh, you know, where you will go with the, you're neither hot nor cold type thing. And so reading through this, I notice typically people, you know, they'll stop at that character assessment and that's it. But that's not where it ends, church. What God is saying here is even though you are disgusting to me in your sin, I still love you. I still love you. I'm not finished with you yet. And there is hope. I love you. I died for you. We just celebrated that last week. Like, we should celebrate it every week. Jesus paid the ultimate price for your sin and my sin. And because of that, we in our our wretchedness can be clothed in his um, grace. We can be uh, clothed with that white garment that covers our sin. We can be uh, given ointment to put on our eyes so that we may see. Church, the people that Jesus is talking to in this letter are the very people that sit in this room, including me. In our, wretched, uh, in our wretchedness and in our sin, Jesus confronts us not, uh, not for any other reason but because he loves us and he cares for us. And that's extraordinary to me to know that the Lord of all creation, look at what the Bible says in the very beginning of this whole letter. He says, thus says the amen, the faithful true witness, the originator of God's creation. Like that guy 
even though I have spit in his face with my sin, cares enough about me that in my wretchedness, in, in my, like, in my time of such hypocrisy to say I am a Christian but live another way, he still pursues me? Wow. What is that? What kind of love is that? I'm not finished with you yet. Dear church, I'm not finished with you yet. Sometimes the rebuke that you receive from the Lord is a testament that he is not finished with you yet. Your past doesn't have to defeat you, and it surely doesn't define you. Church, as I round up here, I just want to let you know we in Greenville are on the brink of a serious revival. I don't know if you know it, but we are. And we need it. And you may say, Austin, how? Everybody I know is a Christian. Yeah, but they're lukewarm. There's a lot of people, and maybe, you know, I'm not talking about your friends, but there's a lot of people that say, I follow Christ, but their deeds say something else. But church, we're on a brink of revival in this city. I don't know if you know this, Uh, But right now, God is restoring back to himself a mighty nation of people in this hour. I just wonder if you're one of them. I want to tell you about something. I went to a prayer meeting this past week with a bunch of pastors across denominational lines um, and met at BJU. Um, And a bunch of pastors, we met had coffee and donuts and enjoyed each other's um, time with each other. And, but then it came time to pray. And I did something, church, that I've never done before. You know, call it what it is. I'm not ashamed. Literally, we prayed for an hour straight. Never prayed for that long before. Uh, you know, just never had the opportunity. Had it this week, though. We prayed about everything. And it was amazing. And I'll do more of that. I'll tell you that. I'm doing more of that for sure. Uh, it definitely takes a special kind of person to lead that type of thing, though. I can't, I can't lead it, but I'll definitely do it. But we prayed for an hour straight. It was just a sweet time. But afterwards, one of the guys that work at BJU was kind of encouraging uh, us about a new program that they have. Uh, they're starting a seminary program. And he began to talk about this movement that's happening on campus that is beyond me. And it's spreading to other campuses uh, and other colleges. These students are taking it upon themselves to congregate in troves anywhere on campus. They will straight up lock up a building on campus, like not physically lock it up, but you know what I mean. Like they will congregate so much so that you cannot use that building at that particular moment because they are occupying it. And these students are gathering in droves to seek the face of the Lord and praying in specific places all on their own. This is not led by any other leader other than just the students. And church, that is, 
God doing something. I want you to know that is extraordinary that a bunch of young people are firing up about the Lord and what he does in church. There is revival happening in Greenville. And whether you're in on the ride or not, God will do what he will do. And we have an opportunity to step into what the Lord is doing. I believe we have. And God is doing amazing things here at Overcome Church. But I want to ask you today, are you one of those that God is restoring? Going back to himself today as he prepares to do a mighty work in this city of Greenville. Greenville is known for being a Bible Belt city, a, a, a city of a bunch of Christians. But I wonder how many people say or have the name tag, hello, my name is Christian, but their life looks differently. I want those people to know that Jesus is not finished with you yet. He is doing a mighty work in this, uh, in this city, and he will restore you back to himself only because he loves you, and he cares about you, and he has a mighty work for you in this place. And I just want to invite you today as, as we begin a response time I want to invite you, come be restored this morning. Those of you that have found yourself lukewarm, um, ask the Lord to set you on fire by the Holy Spirit's power in this place today. Go out and truly love God and love people in this city. The Bible says, Jeremiah the prophet once said, I say I won't mention him or speak any longer in his name, but his message becomes a fire burning in my heart. Shut up in my bones. I became tired of holding it in. And I cannot prevail. Church, that isn't only for the preacher or the teacher or the pastor. But church, that is for you. The person who says they believe in Jesus and their faith faith is in Jesus. But then also lives it. That is you. Jesus puts inside of us the Holy Spirit that is more than just the comforter, but he is the fuel that ignites a movement of God that makes students congregate anywhere they can just to seek the Lord's face together because that's what God has put on their heart to do. It becomes a fire inside of you that is shut up in your bones, and if you don't do something about it, it'll just make you explode. That's what God is looking for in this city. That's what God is looking for in this church. That is what God wants from you. He wants you to have such a zeal. Look at it. The Bible says, be zealous and repent. That is what Jesus said. That is the remedy to what he was confronting you about today, church. That is the remedy. He says, I noticed that you're lukewarm. What should I do about it, Jesus? Be zealous and repent. In other words, get a fire inside of your bones that I'm going to follow the Lord and I will seek his face. And I don't care who sees it. I don't care what happens in the wake. I'm just going to look your direction, Lord, and I'm going to walk that direction. And as I seek your face, Lord, I will repent, and I'll go your direction. And, man, I'll tell you, waves will be felt all along this city because of some students at BJU. And the same will be felt anywhere and everywhere if a bunch of Christians just get some fire up in their bones with the Holy Spirit's power just to say, hey, I'm going to seek the Lord. My life is no longer mine. It belongs to the Lord. Man, I wonder, I wonder what would happen. And I'm closing. You'll have an opportunity to, to respond to the message today. I wonder what would happen if young and old, uh, rich and poor, 
far and wide just decided this life is not my own. The comforts that I do have, thank you, Lord, for those blessings. I want that fire, Lord, that he was talking about. Jesus said, be zealous and repent. To be zealous is not a bad thing. It's okay to come to the Lord with expectation. It's okay to come to the Lord with excitement. It's okay. It's okay to be excited about doing something for the Lord. It doesn't matter how old you are. Can I brag on you real quick, Bob? I'm just going to testify about Bob for just a second. When we first started Overcome Church, Bob came quickly with zeal and expectation and literally said, I just want to work. I'm not even sure he cared about the magnitude of which he would be recognized. He just said, I want to work. I want to do something. Let's be a generation of people that just wants to do something. I cannot wait to see what will happen because of a bunch of people just wanting to see the Lord move. What will happen? The waves of revival will be felt in the next cities. Guaranteed. God is on the move. It's up to you to decide whether or not you open that door. Not to prolong the conclusion here, but the Bible said, I stand at the door and I knock. And for those of you that choose to open the door, I'll come in. I'll dine with you and you with me. Man, you really want to see God do something? Open the door. Open the door for it. All it takes is literally choosing for yourself to say, Lord, I'm yours. Wow, I'm yours. I think that's what some students did on a college campus. I think that's what we have the opportunity to do today young or old, it doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done, what you've said. It all hinges on your decision today.